the Let the Bible Speak calendars are available. They're priced at four pounds. The proceeds go to support the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church, also the, the media ministry generally. And there's lots of lovely photographs there, all, taken all around Northern Ireland. Um, they're priced at four pounds. If you, if you take one, just write your name on the list. They're sitting there in the foyer, and you can see the treasure at a later time. Um, also, the prayer calendars for 2024, there's a 23 one, but the prayer calendars for 2023, the missionary prayer calendars are sitting there. There's plenty of them. Do please take one with you for your home and for your family. And there are some of the, the daily devotional books left that the Youth Council produced, and we give these to all of the young people in our youth fellowship. We also distribute them to all the young people under the age of 25 who perhaps aren't at youth fellowship, and so they, were, they have been made available. I think there's four or five left. Um, if, if you're in that category under 25, you haven't got one, take one with you, or if you're a little over it and you want it, take it. We want to see them used, and we want to see them uh, made benefit. We want to see people benefiting from them. So there's only four or five, so the first four or five, that's it, they're gone. And, but if you take it, read it, and use it throughout the year, and, uh, and all the young people that have got them, please read them every day. There's a little reading there and some food for your soul, and that's a very important way to begin every day and to begin every year. Uh, so do please be mindful of that. Uh, let us turn in the Scriptures to the book of Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. And our text will be found in the verse 5 of Joshua chapter 1, looking back and pressing forward. In the verse 5, we have these words, As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your presence with us. Help us now as we examine and consider your word. I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen and amen. On New Year's Eve, we stand upon the threshold of another year. The calendars for 2023 will be resigned to the bin and to the rubbish tip of history. The calendars for 2024 will be hung in their place with all of the hopes and with all of the sorrows that lie ahead. While the new year is but a turn of a page in the book of time, it is merely the tiniest turn upon the clock face, yet it remains deeply symbolic for mortals whose lives are measured by time as ours are. The new year represents age and maturity, as we all get a little further away from the year we were born and draw ever closer to the moment of our death, whenever that will be. And we're also aware of the fact that there is but a step between me and death. For some, however, the new year represents excitement and joy, plans and aspirations. And for others, there may be a sense of foreboding, worries, and fears. While Joshua was not facing New Year in this chapter, he was standing at a pivotal moment that was a little like New Year's Eve. It was a time for 
looking back and pressing forward. But at this critical juncture that would define the life of Joshua, he heard these words from God himself. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And God was constraining Joshua to look back and to press forward. And that's what we need to do as we face a new year. We look back, yes, it's important to do so, but we also must press forward. And so let us consider what the Lord would have us to learn here from these words. First of all, looking back, as Joshua looked back, there was thankfulness, but there were also tears. There was thankfulness, because God said to him, as I was with Moses, as I was with Moses. God was encouraging Joshua to look back. Now, we're not to live in the past without a thought for the future. The person that lives in the past without a thought for the future is not going to learn the lessons from the past. He's merely interested in the past from the point of view of memory or from the point of view of some kind of academic study. But God wants us to look back in order that we might learn from the past, in order that we might move into the future with wisdom. And the prime lesson Joshua was to learn was gratitude. As he looked back, God had been with Moses. Joshua, more than anyone, knew this to be the case. In verse 1 of Joshua chapter 1, he is described as Moses minister. He was the servant who was by Moses' side through the 40 years in the wilderness. He had witnessed everything. He had been there on that night whenever they left Egypt, and whenever the firstborn were slain, and God brought that mighty empire to its knees. He had been there at the Red Sea, whenever the waters were parted and the children of Israel passed through on dry land. But he had also witnessed the mutterings, the rebellions, the judgments, the manner in which Moses' leadership was threatened and undermined. He had witnessed at first hand the challenges that Moses had faced, but he had also seen the blessings. He had witnessed the glory of God shining from the face of God's servant. Through it all, Joshua learned that God had been with his servant. For 40 years, God had not failed. God's Word had not failed. As we look back over the path that 2023 has taken us, we must say that God has not failed. There are many aspects to his providences that we do not understand. No doubt Joshua, as he came to the edge of the Jordan, could not understand why God ever permitted them to wander in the wilderness for those 40 years. Joshua had been a faithful servant of God. He, along with Caleb, had been one of the spies that was dispatched into the promised land, and they brought back that good report. The land was there for the taking. It was a land that God had given them, but sadly, the other ten spies being filled with a sense of human weakness and a lack of faith and being filled with unbelief and rebellion. They persuaded the people that the land was bad. 
And so on account of that, Joshua and Caleb were sent back into the wilderness with the rest. And so they were left to wander for those 40 years. And those were terrible years, challenging years. Why had God allowed that to happen? Why had He permitted the people to be filled with such rebellion? Why had God led them in this way? There were no answers to that. He knew it was chastening. He knew it was judgment, but it was also the way that God's providence had led them. But there was never a sense of criticism from Joshua. Indeed, all of these men of God, whether it's Caleb or Moses, there never was the sense that they rebelled against the providence of God. They accepted the way the Lord had led them, but yet they could not have begun to understand it all because they were not God. But in the midst of all of those challenges, as he looked back, he could say, God has not failed. I may not understand everything, but God has not failed. Through the hard times that you may have gone through over the course of this past year, seasons that you could not begin to understand the side of eternity, God has not failed. There has been the provision of every need. There perhaps has been the ability given to face or to do what you thought you could never face, what you could never do. Perhaps there has been the recovery from sickness. There have been blessings throughout this year. God has been good. And of course, we hear the little ones in church that God has given, and we rejoice in all of that. There is so much more about 2023 to be thankful for than ever we could realize. In our ignorance, we just don't see the blessings. And we know God has been working, and He has been working in hearts, and He has been stirring souls. We know that. We're sure of that. We're confident of this very thing. The Word of God is not bound, but the Word of God will accomplish that wherewith it hath been sent. The fact that we don't see obvious results at times doesn't mean that God is not working silently and certainly and surely in hearts. We know that He is doing all of this. We must pause and we must trace the rainbow through the rain and see that the promise is not in vain. And there is thankfulness. But as Joshua was encouraged by God to look back, there were also tears. And we too look back with tears as well as gratitude. Joshua was left alone to face the Jordan. He had come with the children of Israel to the very borders of Jordan, and across the Jordan lay the land of promise. But he was there alone to face the future and to face the challenges and to face the battles and to lead the people. And here we have Joshua, alone with God, facing the future. That's what Joshua chapter 1, particularly verses 1 to 9, are all about. Leadership can be a lonely position. The book of Joshua is perhaps one of the greatest handbooks on the subject of leadership that ever was written. He is at the beginning of his calling. 
He has been in the training ground for 40 years. And he has been skilled for this position. He is not a young man as we would consider a young man to be. He is a man well on in his middle years. And yet now he is only being called to do what God had been training him for and schooling him for over all of these years. And he's at the very beginning, the commencement of this great work of taking the land of promise. And he has to replace the irreplaceable and inimitable Moses. And this was the greatest question of all, because as God said to him here in verse 5, as I was with Moses. Moses is now history. Moses is gone. Moses is dead. He's buried by God. Moses is no more, as I was with Moses. Yes, there was the gratitude there, but there was also the grief and the tears that Moses is there no longer. Why could Moses not be by my side as I face the Jordan? Why do I have to face the Jordan alone? These people had given Moses such a difficult time. And I watched Moses as he handled them, but I must handle them alone. And if the Canaanites are in front of me, and they've got their walled cities, and I've got their armies, and I have to do this alone. And so Joshua was stepping into an unknown future. But as Joshua looked back at this critical juncture, he heard the words, Moses, my servant, is dead. And that was something that was irreversible, wasn't it? In verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, after all, had, had disappeared. He had gone up the Mount Pisgah, and he never returned. And now he was dead. God was given the clarification that this had happened. And so, looking back, there were tears. This was uncharted territory. Likewise, we review the last 12 months. We know that some have lost loved ones. We've lost friends and members. It's a reminder, however, we need it one of the uncertainty, the brevity, the fickle nature of life. Moses, with all of his incredible talent, ability, and experience, was gone. Joshua was left alone. I have often reflected upon this. I have books, many books, some books written by authors who lived hundreds of years ago. We still derive benefit from them. You look at those volumes and those words, great words, amazing words, gifted words, the minds that produced them, the ability, the talent, the effort, and yet those writers are gone. Some are sermons that were preached by preachers. The preacher's voice is silent. Their bones have disintegrated into dust. It's a reminder that nothing lasts forever. Not any individual, not any preacher, not any ministry. There comes a time when we must press on alone. And we do come to a stage where we look back, sometimes with tears, sometimes with regret. 
But through it all, God's work continues. And that's the great lesson here. God's work was continuing. Moses was gone, but Joshua was there. The work would go on. So through all the tears, there was the encouragement. The work was still in place. God's work will continue with us or without us. Every person is expendable in the economy of God because the work of God will carry on. It's not about individuals, not about any one person. It's about God and God's grace. It's about His work. C.H. Spurgeon reflected a little upon this, particularly with the thought of old age. And he said this, You're thinking of what you will do in old age. Do not think of that. Think of what God will do for you in old age. Oh, but your great need and long illness will wear out your friends, you say. Perhaps you may wear out your friends, but you will not wear out your God. And he can raise up new helpers if old ones fail. The idea that God would never fail. That God would be there. He would supply every need. Matthew Henry said, God will change hands to show that whatever instrument he uses, he is not tied to any. He is not tied to any hand. He is not tied to any person, to any individual. He moves one on and raises up another. He takes one to glory and he puts another in place to do the work. The work of God is what is all important. And so while we look back with tears, we are filled with immense gratitude because the work of God ultimately will succeed. And this is what takes us on to this second thought here, pressing forward and laying the foundation by looking back. Now we talk about the pressing forward. And there are three words that stand out for me here, three words that we can take with us into 2024, purpose, promise, and priority. So what is the purpose all about? Moses was dead, but there was a purpose for Moses, a purpose for the Lord's servant today. Remember, Moses was 80 years of age before he realized his life's calling. What age was Joshua here? I'm not sure we can precisely work it out. 60, 70. Whatever age he was, God had a purpose for him. And God has a purpose for every individual here for this year. And you need to realize that purpose. Whatever age you are, God has a purpose. And therefore God said to Joshua, As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Joshua's purpose was an incredible privilege. He would see the blessings that Moses longed for. Moses had spent these 40 years with the promised land in view. At one stage he, he thought he was there. And then they were brought back into the wilderness again. And at the very end, he was just taken to a viewpoint to see the land. But he wasn't allowed to inherit it. But yet we come here to Joshua chapter 1, and we see something wonderful. Joshua would be enabled to receive 
the blessings that Moses did not receive. The blessings that Moses was denied, Joshua would receive these blessings. For the promised land would be his for the taking. Moses would carry on the work that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob began. Joshua would carry on the work that Moses began. As one left off, another would carry on. And again, we see this point that I've already brought to your attention, that God's work continues, but we see it in greater focus here. We see the importance of the younger generation carrying on the work that the older generation has commenced. And we see the potential that the younger generation has to realize greater blessings than even the older generation enjoyed. You see, in God's work, there must always be that unity between the older generation and the younger generation. The older generation should never grumble or despise the younger generation. That's a sin. Nor should the younger generation despise and grumble about the older generation. That too is a sin. All generations are different and essential parts of the same work. Moses did what Joshua couldn't do, and Joshua did what Moses couldn't do. So it is in God's work. The older generation needs a younger generation to carry on the work that they can't do in the future. That's why a church must do all in its power to keep and encourage young people. Joshua here, standing on the very border of the promised land, had a whole young generation with him. He was one of the old men. Only two had seen Egypt. Only two had come out of Egypt. He was one of the old men. Two and a half million people had died in the wilderness as a consequence of their sin and of their rebellion. So he had two and a half million of a younger generation. For God replaced every one of that older generation with young people ready and fit to take the promised land. How vital that was. The church of Christ must have an eye upon the youth and upon the men and women of tomorrow. Church of Christ must rejoice in its children, must rejoice in its youth, and must do everything in its power to ensure that there will be a younger generation there in the future. And we'll be Titus if we fail in that, and if we discourage the younger generation. How vital it is. We will not have a future without the young people. It is impossible. And just as Israel would never have realized the promised land without the young people. There are congregations in Ulster where God's people worship, and they're going to be extinct in 20 years if God doesn't bring in young people and young families and young couples. And that's the way things are going in Ulster. And if we don't have a vision for that need, we're failing our nation, and we're failing the future. And that's something we must take to heart with a real burden before God. But there is a challenge, is there not, for the younger generation. God has a purpose for you. He had a purpose for Joshua. He had a purpose for this whole younger generation that God had raised up. They were to learn from Moses. They were to learn from the past. They were to learn from the mistakes of the past too. God has a purpose for you to move forward into the future. 
and you will never fulfill that purpose by being spiritually idle. Think of Joshua here. God had great promises for Joshua, but he had to claim those promises. He had to work. He had to go forward. He was told in verse 2, notice what he was told, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. You've got to arise. You're not to sit here mourning for Joshua or mourning for Moses. You're to go, and you're to go forward, and you're to get over this Jordan, and you're to claim the land. And so God was telling them what they had to do. They had to claim their inheritance. What is our inheritance? Our inheritance is the will of God, whatever the will of God represents for us. We need to pray that we might know His will, and we need to pray that we will do His will, and we need to pray that we'll be faithful. That's rest, rest for our souls. We will never be at rest spiritually within our hearts. We'll never be at peace within our hearts if we're not doing the will of God. But to do the will of God is to reach out to our neighborhood, reach out to our community, reach out to this valley, reach out to those for whom Christ has died who are still unsaved. Reach out with our words, but also with our Christian testimonies. The purpose of a church is to win the lost, to be a mission station for Jesus Christ, to be a light in a dark place. And this has to be our vision for 2024 not to be spiritually idle, not merely to be caught up with our lives and with our businesses. And all of these things are important, but what is more important is the cause of Christ in this valley. And so we need to renew that vision. We need to arise from wherever we're at. Maybe you're in a backslidden state today, cold of heart. You've lost out with God. God is saying to you, arise and go over to this Jordan. You're to go forward. Leave the past behind you. Go forward with purpose. For some, this will mean a change of direction. God brings a change of circumstances about. He shakes us up, shakes us about, leads us in a new direction. We've got to claim that and arise and do God's will, whatever God's will may be. The Jordan, you know, represents death in the Scriptures. And that go into all of that now, how it represents death, but it does, represents death. There's not the thought here that if we're to claim the blessings of God, even revival blessings, we must die to self, die to our own ideas, die to our own ambitions, be crucified with Christ, Paul said. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. As we die to self and die to our sin, we'll be able to go forward for Jesus Christ, with a sense of purpose. Joshua would have battles ahead. There's going to be many struggles and many trials. There'd be fightings within and fears without. He would have all that to face. And that was why God continually said to him, you're to be strong and have a good courage. Do you see that? In verse 6, be strong and have a good courage. Verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous. Verse 9, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. The very end of the chapter, only be strong and of a good courage. 
And so this message came constantly to Joshua, the importance of being strong. There are discouragements. You'll face discouragements. You'll have them. You'll have discouragements this year. Discouragements will arise from places you never expected to see discouragement. There'll be attacks of Satan. There'll be temptations. There'll be all kinds of pressures. And there's battles looming. There's battles looming personally. There's battles looming from the state. According to what I have read recently, there's going to be a major battle arising at Westminster over euthanasia. There are some who are absolutely intent in bringing forward this wicked legislation. There are other battles as well. But we need to press forward with courage and conviction to stand for Jesus Christ. And ultimately, this requires obedience and surrender. And this is what Joshua had to have as he went forward. Obedience and surrender, doing God's will, being strong and of a good courage. But there was also the promise God would be with Joshua just as he was with Moses. If Moses went forward, he could be secure in this very thing, that God would be with him. The promise would not fail. God would be with him just the way he was with Moses. God had not changed. God was not dead. Moses was dead, but God was not dead. Therefore, everything that God was in the past, he would be in the future. And so it is for us today. Whatever we know of God, he is the unchanging one. We can claim all of those promises. The title deeds to the inheritance that Moses would receive was the covenant of God. Promised to Abraham. Verified and ratified to Isaac and to Jacob, to Joseph, to Moses. The covenant would stand. It would not fail. God has given us promises. We can claim all of those promises. You know, whatever God's will for you is, you go and do that will, because God will never lead you into his purpose intending to mock you. That's not the way God works. We have to rest in that promise. And then we have the priority. What was the priority of Joshua as he moved forward? The priority was the Word. Look at verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever you go. You're not to turn from God's Word to the right hand or to the left. You're not to go beyond the Word, and you're not to fall short of the Word, but you're to stick with the Word closely. Stick with the Word. Observe to do all the law. Keep the Word before you. He said in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all according to all that is written therein. And that's a secret for success as a Christian, you know, it's the Word. It's the Word. It's about reading the Word, reading the Word daily. It's about meditating on the Word. Meditating makes us stop to think, turn the Word over in our minds. What does this mean, and what does it mean to me? What's God saying to me here? Praying over the Word. We need to be familiar with the facts of Scripture. We need to be familiar with the principles of Scripture. And we need to pray that God would speak to us personally through the Scripture. The person who fails with the Word will become a dry, malnourished Christian. 
But the person who meditates upon the Word will have deep roots and depth. They will have courage and purpose and resolve. And they have a life that is fruitful. And may God make us this year that lies ahead, men and women of the book. And may that be our priority every day, to be much of the Word and to be giving ourselves to the Word. And so with this in mind, we have a calling. It is to look back, yes, but it is to press forward. For God wants each one of us to go on with Him. Maybe there's one here today and you haven't started going forward because you're still in your sin. You're without Christ and you have no purpose that you're living because your life is just empty. But there's something real and something substantial and something vital to be had. And Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And therefore I exhort you today to turn to the Lord and give your life wholly to Him. And then you will have good success. The success that God has for you in this life. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the Word of God. We pray you would write it upon every heart and upon every soul. For Christ's sake. Amen. Let us sing this closing hymn. There's a work for Jesus ready at your hand. Tis a task the Master just for you is planned. He is to do his bidding. Yield him service through. There's a work for Jesus none but you can do. We'll stand together.
Father, we thank you for each one that is here. We pray you'll bless each one throughout the course of today. Bless each one with their families. We thank you for visitors that are here. Bless them as they visit with friends and relations. We pray that you would be bring us back to the house of God in the evening in your will and with an ear for your word. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be our abiding portion now and evermore. Amen.